Welcome to this episode of Spiritual Hustle. I'm Anthony Filipovich, and along with Justin Sabinski, we're honored to welcome Inga Nikiforova to this episode. Inga uh, was born in Lithuania. No, Lithuania? That's right. Okay. And you've been in Amsterdam for 15 years. Uh, you were able to start your own uh, IT company, um, and now you're writing and painting and you're into spiritualism and, and self-learning and self-discovery. Uh, Inga, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for inviting me. I'm honored to uh, be a guest on your podcast. And, um, well, it's nice to see you again. And, yes. Uh, so, Inga, one of the things we like to um, talk about uh, the spiritual hustle is uh, the way people have been able to learn more about themselves and involve, evolve themselves, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on the call uh, was to, uh, for you to explain to us how you've been able to transform your life several times. And given, given um, the childhood you had, uh, that would make it you know, difficult for most people. Um, but we would love, love to understand like a little bit about your childhood and how you overcame some of those challenges and how you were able to transform your life so, uh, several times and what that transformation looked like and how you did it. Yes. Um, you know, I think uh, everyone's life, when it's starting, we just take things uh, as they are and we perceive reality the way it has been given to us. So in the same way, I was just taking my reality the way it was given to me and just looking backwards when I became already adult, when I uh, started to educate myself and when I uh, came uh, in touch with certain topics and with personal struggle, I started to go deeper in that and I started to realize how damaging it was. And... Um, so... Even realizing that the way I was fighting and developing myself and getting out of it, how I was um, dealing with consequences of it, uh, it was like kind of natural. It was going the natural way, natural flow, and uh, the methods I was using, um, it seemed not not particular to me because I was just doing everything what was available uh, at that time with tools that I had on that at that moment and um, realization um, later realization of how damaging can be uh, emotional physical and sexual abuse for a human life doesn't matter is it a female or uh, a male just for human being because you know first uh, first first part of our life we've been um i will use word programming because i'm like coming from uh, from the it world and right. uh, so like if you would imagine um computer you know like it's uh, something which is the most um, easier to visualize and the empty hardware you take empty hardware and then uh, step by step, you download the operational system, you download the different kinds of softwares, drivers and everything. So the first part of our life, like first seven, 10 years, we get the most significant uh, um, uh, 
operational system downloaded to us. So it's like our perception of home, our perception of love, uh, our perception of safety, uh, stability, uh, uh, trust, and um, intimacy, uh, honesty. So like the major values uh, are getting uh, formed at that age. So when something goes wrong, you know, you not only get the, the, uh, um, the feeling of home, the, this is, I think, the most important because on the later stage, when choosing the partner, choosing, uh, you know, making next step in your life, we're choosing the situation, we're choosing people, we're choosing um, uh, environment, which reminds us of our home. Right. You know, and if it was like completely wrong, you know, your perception of home, the feeling of safety, that the only feeling which you get like recognizable. Um, then on later stage, we're choosing these kind of situations and in re it reflects in very damaging self-destructive uh, uh, situations again and again. It's becoming like kind of circle where it's, it's very difficult to get out from, you know, because it's resulting in choice of partners, it's uh, uh, resulting in choice of um, uh, uh, jobs or any any kind of relationships, you know, attracting people, certain kind of vibration, you know, where you vibrate on because your uh, your image of yourself uh, is also um, getting formed. So what you have been told that you are, you believe that you are, you know, if someone was telling you all your life that you are, for example, worthless, that nothing getting uh, going to be without of you or you deserve only this uh, or you know, different kind of, um, um, can be different kind of situations that a child can deal with, uh, which will, on the later stage, um, will be very difficult to live with because it's not your original image, you know. We all, when we get born, we have like kind of our original image, our, um, our role in this world, you know, but um, it's like a transparent cup, which is getting, um, uh, which everyone who enters in, in the room uh, attaches kind of sticker on that cup, you know, mm. uh, uh, with uh, behavior, with words, with, um, uh, with any kind of appearance, you know, any kind of appearance of uh, someone in your life. It's, putting kind of sticker on that cup. So this transparent cup becoming no longer transparent. It's getting attached with any all kind of stickers on it. So you don't see yourself that real identity that you was born with is becoming this kind of stickers. So it's very difficult to live up with because you're living those kind of stickers and no longer your real identity. Right. So um, uh, it's becoming difficult to make choices, you know, difficult to make decisions because decisions are guided not by your own perception, by it, not, not by your own real uh, um, choice, but by the influence of those people who entered in your life and uh, left a kind of, um, yeah, scars or it, it can be different, different kind of influence, but. Uh, yeah, it's, um, well, it, we, do you mind uh, if we take a step back and, and go back over the the kind of the, the computer and, and, and kind of the similarities between that and and a, and a child? Because because the similarities there, um, and I don't know, Anthony, if if you experience if you got to the point yet where Mark Passio goes over the the computer, but um, 
but there's a whole bunch of things that, that kind of match the similarities between a human and our ability as humans defining us that we're programmable in, in, in some kind of, in some kind of way. And those beginning years that are called the formative years um, are very similar to how you would, uh, you would, uh, um, uh, when you're setting up a computer for the first time, you have to do a file system format um, on the, I think it's on the hard drive or something. And, and basically the, those two things are, are the same thing. And, and, and it, 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 those years are so important because everything that you're taking in during that time, you're accepting as, as truth. Like, you know, some, so if you meet some uh, not great person and they tell you something that is wrong and untrue and, and detrimental to your future. Uh, for example, if, if you're, if you're a young kid and you, you have an older brother who says, you know, smoking cigarettes is a good thing. And you're going to, you're immediately like, okay, smoking cigarettes is cool. Like, and that, that's already in your head. And, and, and that program gets, um, uh, gets run basically like an application when, um, when somebody asks you later on in your life, do you want, do you want to smoke a cigarette? And then next thing you know, the, the, a whole cascade of effects based on what had happened in your childhood. And if you had a, a, a de de depending on, on the situation, if you had an overly sheltered childhood, which is probably somewhere where I came, came from, um, it, you see similar things happen where, um, where, where they're not prepared. Basically people who are um, overly sheltered are not prepared for the real world. Whereas um, under uh, uh, people who, who had uh, children who had a, had a, tougher, a tougher childhood um, would have uh, maybe gotten too much of a dose of reality um, too quickly. And, and you see how both of them kind of end up causing garbage to go in and then garbage to come out. You know, it's like you, you can't expect a computer to work properly um, unless you remove all the bugs in the, in the, in, in the software. And, um, so does that, that kind of makes sense? Because yeah, I, I feel like that that's a, a foundational thing that, that, that you're getting into um, right there. That's right. That's right. Uh, and um, it's even a little bit more than that because, you know, you have like, for example, Window and Mac. And if you download the Window program on Mac, it will crash, you know. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, um, uh, that's one of the, uh, um, that's one of the, you know, you know like kind of, um, metaphoric um comparison that i can say uh about how yeah feels so uh, someone feels or how someone functions when he uh, been through a childhood where uh parents you know parents sometimes uh do it not with purpose or something but uh, however the most uh, most uh significant abuses are coming from the family it's not uh it's not outside of course outside in the world it can be damaging but very often uh your own home you know in your own home it's getting uh, uh because also it's um you know you never talk about that you never uh, bring it out it's like you know it's your safe zone you have to you consider it as a safe zone because can you imagine like uh, if you uh, like chicken getting born out of the egg you know and uh, the first thing it sees it says like mama and goes behind it you know but it can be a, uh, you know a cat or it can be a dog and that little animal will go behind it so the human being as well you get born you know and sometimes uh, our children getting born from damaged damaged parents you know and uh, victims creating victims without um, without um, being aware or without willing that you know not not even 
conscious about their own behavior. And these kind of damages, I think, are the most significant because you, no one realizes even how damaging it is. And some kind of things are getting um, uh, a passing, uh, have, is being passing passed through generations, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and um, very often uh, what I, uh, that comparison about um, uh, cup, it's, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, if you, every one of us is born with certain a purpose in life, uh, there is a sole purpose, there is your own purpose, but you think it's the most beautiful when you uh, run balance with you with your sole purpose uh, you know that you will achieve because you might want something but your real purpose is something else so it's very good to run uh, in balance but imagine that if, for example you as a child had always uh, desire to play piano or something but your mother or father wanted you to be a uh, architect you know and they would would you know transform uh, how do you say, transplant their desires, their unfulfilled desires, their unfulfilled yeah. dreams, their expectations of social society, expectations of uh, uh, family, uh, their own expectations. Now, this is like very soft form, very common form of this for uh, uh, this control, really. It's control. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the, this guy, this guy, this what I call the kind of stickers that have been put on you that you will not see your own identity afterwards. Right. But obviously, we've been programmed because, you know, like um, uh, not only by our parents, but by our society, by negative environments that we are grow going through. Like uh, very often, ladies, uh, when they are little girls, going through a different kind of sexual abuse, and uh, then they don't have any self esteem, any self value, and ending up with no peace of mind and uh, starting substance abuse, how I finished it uh, with, uh, in my childhood, in my teenage, you know, because it was so significant, uh, you know, when you, your pain is so, um, so deep, so intense that you, uh, that you cannot live with it. I would say. And uh, it's not helping out because uh, no one, there is no one who can actually help you. So, uh, you try to escape in there, and it's only bring you further to a kind of negative, uh, negative spiral. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, it's uh, it's. I think it it is very um, serious topic. I think uh, I believe that it's not um, in our society. It's not spoken enough about it. Here in Western society, it's kind of a little bit more, and there are um, uh, different kind of telephone numbers where child could call and it's not allowed to hit a child, you know, it's not allowed to shout on the child, the child is informed about that. But environment where I grew up with, uh, grew, grew up in, it was like, uh, you know, a part of education uh, and uh, it was like socially accepted. And I believe that there are still a lot of countries where it is like kind of socially accepted. Yeah, it's a... Uh, that's an interesting topic because um, um, the only and the only time I ever feel like I, I I'm like okay with like infringing on somebody else's like uh, right and responsibility uh, basically their existence is when it when it comes with, to to children and it's it's always like um, uh, I always give them it's always like 
they, they can't consent to they, they, they can't come into an agreement because they don't have the cognitive understanding of what like an agreement is. So they can't consent to accepting getting hit or something for in exchange for um, doing something that was reprehensible. And so it, it, it doesn't even like it doesn't even work as an effective method to to like to raise the child. So there's almost like there, there's no reason to ever hit uh, what is essentially a defenseless being. And um, so, so it's, it's one of those fascinating things that, that it's like, it, it was, it became very clear to me, like to be blunt about it, it was that there was, that if you're hitting your child at basically at this point in, in Western civilization, you're, uh, um, you're, you're not doing it in, in terms of like uh, trying to reprimand, you're, you're, you're trying to, you're, you're basically getting aggression out uh, at that point. And, and you know that this person's not going to hit you back. You know, physical abuse is like very extreme and very visual uh, part of abuse, and uh, it's like really very damaging because it makes you feel indeed. You know, when you can't do anything back, you don't even understand, and it's coming from uh, someone who's supposed to be nurturing and bringing the best in you. Um, but there are also a lot of type of abuses which are um, not visual for someone else, you know, and they resulting on a later stage because, you know, you uh, kind of getting programmed, you uh, have this trust in the person who, from who it's coming from, but uh, you cannot recognize it yet. And lucky you are, you know, if on a later stage you will find out, you know, what you have been through and how you dealt and you find a way to deal with it. But um Uh, the rock, a kind of emotional abuses when you don't even realize what's going on, you know, uh, types, uh, for example, when you grow up with narcissistic parents or, or divorced parents who are, uh, uh, for example, uh, have some negative uh, feelings toward one other and start to uh, play it out for the child and, uh, you know, uh, talking negative about parent or not allowing to see parent or, or uh, you know, try to program that your parent is bad. There are different kinds of abuses which resulting on the later stage in uh, very, very significant and grave uh, personality disorders. Mm-hmm. And those are not visual on early stage uh, and actually on later stage, they're also not visual, but uh, here in the Netherlands, for example, it's uh, at this moment uh, kind of supported and psychological care is very, very advanced but uh, insurances don't want to support uh, or involve too much in a uh, uh, process of curation of uh, therapies and, and this kind of, and, uh, and own risk for payment of this kind of cures is so high that people just don't, uh, not, uh, not doing that. And uh, it's resulting in further, in later stage, like around 40 people getting really, really, really uh, in trouble. So Inga, like talk about you specifically. Um, how, how did you get yourself out of this cycle? Um, like at, at what age did you, well, probably early on, you realized that there's something seriously wrong here. Uh, I kind of grew up in a household much like Justin's, where maybe I was too protected. And I remember the one thing, no matter what happened in school, you would get fights and stuff, what, whatever happened. You always had this sense home was safe, right? And, and that in the back of my mind always like made me feel that nothing could really harm me. But if I didn't have that, that feeling, that knowledge that home was safe, I, I don't know how, how I would have coped with everything else. Um, the, the, for me personally, that would have been extremely difficult. Um, 
but but in your case how did you how did you break the cycle you you mentioned that you transformed your life a couple of times um uh, it was the first step to end like to realize that you know there was abuse here that it was having an impact on you in regards to building other relationships like what was the steps you went through in order to to make those changes in your life Uh, we we lost the audio again. Uh, well, yeah, okay, there now, go. yeah, okay. Well, because I'm, I have phone in my hand, so uh, sometimes okay. uh, with the finger on speaker. So I had to hit the bottom, you know, before I realized that uh, uh, that I'm on the bottom. I guess because uh, it's resulted. Uh, I had no feeling of safety at home, and actually, I was looking forward to get out of home. And uh, based on my vibration, you know, when, because when you abuse, uh, when you your feeling of worthlessness, uh, uh, your completely uh, wrong feeling of your identity, uh, safety, and everything, it's like you know, uh, there is one saying: uh, "Tell me who is your friend, and I will tell you who you are." It's like the law of attraction. You know, we attract what we are. We attract the situations in life what we feel like what we are. Yeah. And my feeling what I am was really low. So I was attracted to uh, children who was from, uh, who had similar background, who was on the street, who was not uh, taken care of, who, you know, who was just doing whatever they wanted to do and going with the flow. So uh, um, I end up with, uh, by abusing uh, her drugs and uh, I went through heroin addiction and uh, it resulted in, uh, very significant uh, consequences. And uh, at some point I realized that, you know, that um, there is much more out there. And, uh, you know, I'm really coming from the place where almost no one coming back alive. And uh, what helped me is to go away. You, you know, literally it was not even immigration. I believe it was like kind of evacuation in my case. And, uh, uh, with new experiences, with new um, new vibe that I got uh, abroad, uh, I probably was vibrating a little bit differently, and uh, I was catching up to life, and I was doing that with my hands, with my teeth, with my legs, you know, with everything. I just was not willing to get back, nor uh, nor to my family, nor to my country, and um, it uh, it was that 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 feeling became a little bit soft, softer afterwards. Um, but um, I was intuitively, uh, really intuitively uh, trying to save myself uh, and uh, the methods that I was applying, like now I realize that there are certain kind of researches and that, oh yeah, that it's really like uh, scientifically approved that cold showers helping you to, yeah. to improve your mood, you know, to overcome depression and everything. I, did, I had no clue. I was just doing cold showers since I was 15 and uh, I was uh, sporting a lot and uh, trying to, uh, to, yeah, to, to just move forward and to don't think, uh, to don't look back. And I was really running so fast. I was um, the uh, trauma that I was uh, that that I left behind was just so big that I probably was running without looking back on it. You know, and yeah. uh, um, just le- years later, I realized that 
that you cannot run away from yourself because I was literally like running away from myself uh, um, until I realized that I was struggling with something and this something was just like uh, something still the same. This always the same, always the same, always the same. I was keep on coming to the same situation, keep on coming to the same situation, all the time the same, but with different kind of uh, environment, you know, different kind of people, different kind of uh, situations, but it was still the same. And, right. uh, you know, the same song playing around, around and around. And, uh, it was uh, a little bit difficult to break it through. And, um, um, yeah. Yeah, so then I realized that uh, um, that probably I have to take a little bit more uh, more careful look on my past and uh, to perceive it more, um, to, yeah, to look at it, to deal with it. Because uh, at some point, you know, I was just... Uh, doing everything, uh, trying to occupy myself with different kind of activities to just escape, uh, escape myself, escape pain. It was too difficult to confront the pain. And uh, I notice, uh, I notice a lot of people who deal with the same situation and like, you know, that feeling of uh, looking for the partner, looking for love, you know, that like some kind of something some part of yourself is missing so much and you try to right. find it somewhere else for kind of relationship or for something uh yeah mostly mostly in relationship you know you try to find uh, someone to fall in love with and to, to, to find that unconditional part of uh um of something that is missing in you you know because you don't love yourself your values your self-esteem is so low you just looking someone to uh, some something external to, to fill it in and then you get ended again in the same crap in the same destructive situation because you again make choices based on that idea of home that you have you know and this is miserable right. the idea of your home of that feeling that you getting reminded of you know like the, what is most uh, known to you like the first seven years, seven, first 10 years, you like get programmed for 50% of, of, of yourself, you know, like then to 15 years, uh, you get another 10, 15% of programming to 25 again, like another 10, and then the rest of your life, another 10%, you know, so, so then you make choices in your life based on that feeling of safety that you have from your home. And I was struggling continuously with that. I was just trying to find out the way out of it, and it was very difficult on my own. So, uh, how how did you um, end up kind of reversing the cycle, um, and kind of kind of vibrating out of it? How did that happen? Uh, at some point, I realized, you know, that my mind was so busy. Uh, so busy that I was not comfortable. Uh, I didn't find myself comfortable with my own thoughts, you know, like I tried to change my life and I was ending up on changing decorations, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, all the time, you know, I want to change my life. Then, okay, I change my hair color or I change a partner or I change uh, something in my home or uh, I change a job. And then, and again and again, again, you know, the feeling of miserableness or even worth, you know, after, because then you end up and break up or you again end up in fight with your boss or you end up, you know, like you, you just don't find fulfillment or happiness. Uh, so I, I don't, again, in some point intuitively, I started to try to meditate, but my head was so busy that I couldn't find any way out of it. So I um, decided just, I don't know, 
I don't know how, how I came to this, but I decided to write down my thoughts. You know, I start wondering, you know, like what am I busy all day with? You know, okay, I have, what are my priorities? You know, okay, I have, um, um, certainly I have life and there are things that's supposed to be important to me, you know, but what is really going on in my head? So I started to write down what is going on through my head during the day. And when I confronted myself with what am I busy with the whole day, I think that was the first step to a significant transformation because, okay, okay I, uh, of course, uh, when I uh, uh, got out of the heroin addiction, that was a very big transformation for me, as you understand. But, yeah, uh, yeah uh, so, but then... Um, on uh, building up myself on internal level, uh, that was um, step forward, huge step forward. So yeah, when you so go go ahead, Justin. Yeah, um, when, when you're talking about uh, while you're talking, the reason why I asked that question was was because while you're talking about um, those the cycle and everything, um, in my head I was like I was like oh man, like I, I was kind of going through. Uh, a similar kind of kind of thing also and what really helped me was, was writing and then and then so I asked you that question and then you're you like oh well I started writing and I was like yes I agree <laughs> with that that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> yeah yeah cool sorry Anthony go ahead so I, I think to, like, to summarize what you were saying is and, and all of us do this like when there's something painful in your life a lot of us don't like to look to look at look at it right um, so we busy ourselves. We think by, by busying ourselves, by going out more, drinking more, even like ch- changing decorations in your home, you don't have to look at it, right? But that feeling of something missing always is there. Like it might go away for a little bit, but it always comes back, right? And then you have to sit down and do that introspection of, of yourself, whether you meditate or you write it down in order to move things forward. Um, so when, when you did that, when, when you did the writing, which you refer to as like your first big step towards like um, evolving out of that pattern, like what you saw on, on the paper, did it, did it surprise you? Is the surprise of what you saw, what broke you out of it? Or is it just, you looked at it and go, shit, I don't want to live like that anymore. Just like the pain yeah. associated with it. That's what broke you out of it. Yeah. I felt like, what am I busy with? You know? Yeah. What am I busy with? And I realized that um, the thoughts that I had in my head that was not even about, uh, you know, uh, what was in the past, but that was thoughts which were kind of destruction. They were serving me as a destruction for what I went through because the only purpose of those thoughts was to not face the pain, you know, you know, like if you have something, some infection and it starts to, you know. Um, Fester. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you just eat paracetamol or something or screen to, in order to don't, uh, to don't see, to don't feel it. You know, um, as I like to compare, it's like, you know, certain kind of situations in your life, they have to be uh, worked out. And the mostly the point is, uh, um the feeling of miserableness and that feeling of emptiness, that feeling of angriness or depression, whatever it is. It's mostly because of 
not taking responsibility of your life, you know, because we, you, you know, whatever happens in your life, whatever happens in your life, when I look back on my life, I'm thankful for every experience. Mm. But I, after all, I, um, I got, um, I got power enough to take, uh, to make myself accountable, you know, and uh, at this moment, I'm thankful for everything that I went through because every situation in my life, everything what happened in my life, every person who entered in my life brought a certain lesson you know it created it and helped me to be as i am right now but that feeling of emptiness that feeling of disappointment that feeling of angriness or feeling of uh no it's because we have that um uh we, we carry that situation within us and we see ourselves as victims yes yeah you know the the, the feeling of being a victim you know so um so it was a huge transformational process for me to uh, to relook myself, you know, because I thought to myself, "What's wrong? You know, uh, why 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 am I not feeling happy? Why is that feeling of emptiness? Why is that feeling of worthlessness?" Okay, of course, uh, you know, it was significant what I went through, you know, but now it's all right, you know. I'm living in Amsterdam. I'm having a good job. I'm uh, speaking uh, a lot of languages, you know. Uh, it's all here, you know. Take it, grab it, and do it wherever you want. So why why, why not? Why not appreciate yourself, you know? Why, like, not appreciate this day? So um, I started with practicing, you know, just, like, uh, waking up every moment and thank myself, you know, like, uh, thank, not thank myself, but finding ways to thank, to feel thankful for every day, for, uh, for a bed that I have to sleep in, for, uh, that I'm alive, you know, for, that I have food, for, you know, looking in the mirror, most of the time we, when we look in the mirror, we find the most ugly part of us and we look at it, you know. We don't look at the most beautiful part of us. <laughs> we always find a dirty spot on our face and we will look at that dirty spot and we will, you know, think about it all day. So, step by step I started to uh, uh, to search for the things in, uh, in, uh, in life to be thankful for and uh, to feel grateful for and um, of course, you know, for me, it was, I had no, no teacher, I had no mentor or something. So it was a huge and long process of discovery, self-discovery. Uh, now, uh, I, uh, I have also people who helped me, of course. And, you know, there are, I found out that there are methods to work out and to get a, a short, really faster shortcut. And I really appreciate it. But uh um, I believe that it's still, you know, it's uh, like um, those stickers on the cup, you know, you cannot remove them all and to see this so that you get the transparent glass where you can see it through. It's a, a very uh, dedicated work, which requires a lot of discipline, dedication and uh, accountability, you know, like to keep yourself accountable, to remind yourself every day, you know, what is your target and where you're going, where you want to go back or you want to go forward and to keep yourself accountable and to remove that sticker every day, every single day, sticker by sticker, sticker by sticker, removing from yourself. And, uh, you know, those negative beliefs that you have about yourself. And I believe now, because I was busy last 
uh, years as well with uh, neurolinguistic programming. It's, uh, you know, like uh, yeah. um, television, for example, works like a commercial, for example, if you watch, watch uh, 300 times that vanish removes all the dirty, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, like, you know, stuff from your, from your clothes and you will go to the shop and you buy it. So the same, uh, we build up idea about ourselves. And um, there are a lot of um, a lot of discussions about this at this moment right now, like affirmations, and uh, many people consider it as a cliche or that it's like uh, it's kind of nonsense. But it really works, and I believe really that it can help many people not only realize uh, uh, realize their true potential to remove. Uh, to remove negative beliefs about themselves, but also to realize how many negative beliefs they have about themselves. Right. And I think you mentioned it before. There's a, like bad things can happen to you that, that are very obvious, but then there, there are other bad things like the, the example, the parents that get divorced and, and, and try to control you in different ways that happen to you that, that are very subtle and that you don't even notice until years later. So you have to be aware of both of them. Um, and NLP is very interesting to me too. I, I met Richard Bandler once. He was a co-founder of NLP and a very inspiring person. He was kind of like a larger than life person. And his, what he basically said is people have traumas, but what the reason they, the, those contra- uh, traumas continue for days, months, years, is just because the mind replays it replace it in different ways right and if you can find out what your modality is how you replay it replay it in your mind you can stop it and, and it's it's that's the way he described it is it, it, it was that simple like sometimes it takes a little bit more effort sometimes it doesn't right but the process is, is that simple and what that brought home to me was the fact that the mind is insidious at times because it basically replays it replays uh, what you pro- what's been pro- uh, programmed in you, you know, to the age of seven, which is which lies in the subconscious. That kind of always their programs run in. Sometimes they bubble up, right? And the mind gets a hold of that thought that bubbles up from your six-year-old self, and then it plays through all those thoughts, right? Um, the negative thoughts could be positive thoughts, but the ones we usually deal are trying to deal with are the negative ones, right? And the the mind works in a in a specific way. It, it, it's like um, it's like a robot. It's like um, um, mechanical mechanism. And if you understand how that works, you can stop it, right? And that's what NLP actually does. It can, it can interject in the process and stop stop that mind from running those thoughts over and over again, so that twenty years later you don't feel the same way you did when you were abused like twenty years earlier, right? And, and I would think like you have two kids. Um, Two very cute kids. I've seen pictures of them on Facebook. Thank you. I, I would think like the the most important thing you would be able to teach kids is how to how their mind works, right? So they so that they can always be happy and grateful and go through life like that. Uh, that that would be to me always the most important thing you could teach a child. You know, and, and with that is the whole honor themselves and honor that that divinity within them. Um, so I'm kind of rambling here, <laughs> but yeah. my, I, guess, I guess I'm going to like something that you wrote that uh, you're inspired by people who live their passion, especially females who build up like beautiful homes and raise and, and, and nurture children 
while remaining like calm, soft, gentle, and beautiful, right? Um, which I guess is everything you didn't have in your childhood, right? I guess, no, the, I yeah. Have you been able to like create that in, in your life now with your kids and your family? Uh, I'm doing my best. Yeah. Well, that's all I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, my daughter is 20 years old now. And, uh, you know, like uh, as a parent, you always give a base to your child. And uh, as a human being at 20 years old, 20 to 30, I believe that's the most uh, spiritually poor age for a human being, you know. Yeah. And unfortunately, very often we make our choices, very significant choices in that life. So as a parent being, you only can, uh, you know, uh, you can, I believe you can give a good basis. Uh, you do the best of your ability to be a good role model for your child. Right. And uh, in the further life, you can do your best to uh, indeed to uh, help to understand how it works and everything. But unfortunately, at the age of 20, your child is hardly listening to you because, you know, there is already a certain own mind uh, and own interests and everything. So I hope uh, I, um, I can give a good uh, input to my children and I hope I can uh, help my children to be the best versions of themselves. But I'm learning my children on my own example. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to be a role model uh, as a mother also in the point that you know that you uh, don't have to be afraid to take risks in your life you don't have to be uh, afraid to step out of your comfort zone life is not always uh, sure and protected you know sometimes you make a step in completely unknown direction and it gives you the beautiful results and sometimes you know when not sometimes but all always when you step out of your comfort zone i always teach my children that that comfort zone doesn't always mean that it's the comfortable sofa where you sit between all your you know kind of pillows and eat grapes it's not that because most miserable situation can be a comfort zone right even that you know for many people you know when they 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 used to a darkness and when you switch on on the light they don't like it you know it's uh, like hurt the eyes and everything so i try to teach my children and my daughter knows the biggest part of my life and uh you know she's my daughter and uh, god always gives us parents as he thinks that are the best for us so that's why i also believe that it's important to don't keep yourself in the uh, it doesn't matter what kind of abuse child went through. We always, even if abuse was insignificant, and I believe that uh, uh, this kind of situations is very individual part, you know, because sometimes you uh, want to get, um, uh, you know, sometimes the wrong work of the mother and then person goes through therapy for eight, nine years, you know, and cannot get out of depression. And other people go through concentration camps and, uh, you know, getting out of it and starting foundations and uh, writing books and uh, starting movements. And, uh, you know, I believe that it's very individual and everyone has uh, his own ability to proceed certain kind of situations. But uh, everyone has to do his best and believe that, you know, everyone has something to say to that my parents did, did not good enough, you know, or we can always say to our, I, would, I wish I would, uh, you know, I would get this or there's different levels of something that we can always, you know, uh, point our fingers to our parents that did something not good. But God always gives us parents as he thinks would be the best for us. So whatever, as the, even the worst situation that you went through, is because it's probably the situation that uh, is meant for you to be with. And uh, uh, the, the meant 
meant for you to be in. And there is no doubt that you can deal with any situation that you are in. And any situation that you are in at this moment is always a certain kind of lesson that you can get out. And there is certain kind of message. You know, we often just get uh, uh, ask our or even don't ask ourselves the right questions, you know, but any situation, which is, I'm talking not about, about uh, the most happy and, uh, situation where you sit and, you know, like having the time of your life, there must be probably also a lesson, but most of the lessons we getting from the most difficult, in the most difficult situations in our life and most, most uh, significant changes as well in life are going through most terrible situations in our life, you know, like any kind of revolution, uh, any kind of change in the, uh, on the um, historical uh, landscape of, you know, of humanity or wherever, it's always ran through pain, a lot of violence most of the time, a lot of force and uh, a lot of traumas. Uh, you know, even, um, you know, even life starts with pain. I mean, when a female uh, gives a birth to a child, uh, it's a significant change in her life, you know, but it's all going through pain. And uh, very often we... Uh, uh, afraid to face the pain, but through pain, we have ability to change as well as a human being. And uh, um, we consider often we consider pain as something bad, but pain often results into something good as well. Well, yeah. you, you, you can definitely turn it into something good. But let, let me ask you a question. And this is something that I've been I've been kind of dealing with or trying to sort out myself. And I, I got out a pen and a piece of paper and started writing down my thoughts on the subject. But it seems like in most cases, people have to hit like rock bottom. Like you, you said, you, you had to and have to and be in, in a lot of pain to change. There, why can't the human, like why can't humans in general use like love to make that change? Why, why is it always, and I'm talking about myself too, right? I'm talking from the perspective that that's usually how I change when things are painful, like too painful, I'll make the change. But I started thinking, well, why can't I use like love to make the change? Why does it have to be like the, the, the other extreme of that pain? You know what I'm saying? There must be a way to use love to make that change. And, and what, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, what kind of world would that be where everyone used love in order to make changes, right, instead of pain? At some point, uh, Anthony, it's it's very interesting thought what you say, but at some point, uh, you know, there is uh, like white and black, yeah. you know, there is uh, good and evil, you know, but at some point, uh, I don't want, you know, to say too loud what I'm trying to say, but, you know, most of the time, people are more passionate in doing evil things than in doing good things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think there, there is the fucking problem right there. <laughs> I, I, think another way, I think another way to look at that, too, is um, it's definitely easier to destroy a building than to build one. Um, there's, there's, there's benefits to um, uh, the dark side, to the shadow um, when you, when you embrace it. And I think that, um, I think that, that one of the reasons why, um, really bad things have to happen to you before you realize how bad, it, bad it is, is because you have to realize it. And, uh, you know, people gain, gain a ton of weight in, in just a few years. You're like, how did you gain 60 pounds in a, in a few years? It was like, well, that, that's a nine, that, that, that's like 900 days 
you know, it, 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 it's, it happens so just so like incrementally, it just catches up on you. Whereas when you hit rock bottom and you're like uh, waking up in a, in a ditch and, and you're like, you're like, Hey, this can't be rock bottom because this ditch was better than yesterday's ditch. Um, but then you go, wait a second, this was two days in a row in a ditch. Like uh, that, that's probably rock, rock bottom. Um, you wouldn't have noticed it um, had it not been so, so uh, terrible. Um, right. But, but that it makes sense. That, that makes sense. But in that case, you, you probably life, my, my experience is life always gives you the opportunity, like tells you that when there's a problem, right? When you, when you, when you ignore those signals, that's when you start like hitting yeah. rock bottom, right? What I'm and saying it, is why, why can't you turn that model around and when you notice something wrong, come from it from a point of love and, and move forward. And I think, would I, you, that's the thing. Would you notice it? Would you notice it? Um, and that's, that's the reason why the, the writing is actually, was actually so key because it's like, well, you don't have to go, you don't have to have these terrible experiences, uh, uh, experiences if, if you can realize or acknowledge that, that something wrong is happening. Um, and the best way to do that is, is by writing uh, or, right. or you won't see the pattern. Look, for example, um, I believe that um, why bad things have to happen in order to change. Because when everything is good, you will not even think about change, you know? Yeah. If you like fries, okay, you like fries and you don't have enough of information that it's good and that, you know, that it's damaging your, uh, that you need some extra vitamins and you need good nutrition and you like fries. So you will be eating them until you get some kind of kick in your body that will tell you, you know, hey, listen, you have to change your habits. You yeah. cannot eat fries all the time, you know, because you're, you, you, you cannot run uh, this way. Yeah, Anthony, it's like you, it's like you touched up on, on, on like the one negative thing that comes out of love. And that's it. That's I love myself so much that why would I change? I love myself. I what, what's the reason? Why would I why would I change who I am? I love myself. Yeah. And, and, and so so love is actually the it's the expanding force, but it's not the one that, that that's going um, to it's not the one that's going to tell you it, it's not going to tell you that there's something wrong because it loves you. It's unconditional. It's going to love you in the ditch two days in a row. It's going to love you in the ditch two years in a row. You know, um, it'll, it's up to you uh, to, to recognize that something's wrong. Right. But, but it, comes, it comes down to two things. It comes down to two things. You can either move towards something because you're trying to get away from pain or you're moving towards something because you're excited or, or, or you're motivated by it or you love it. Right. One, one, one or the other. So, if you want to like create a new, so say you're, um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to use Inga's example um, in my, in my explanation, but uh, in, it, well, having, having a traumatized childhood uh, doesn't really fit into <laughs> coming, coming at it from a perspective of love. Uh, I, I'm trying to think out loud to see how that would work. Like that, that, that is a tough one. Um, and that one, in that situation, I can see like, you got, you have to get to the point where you say, I do not want to live like this. And, and I, I feel, you know, I know I'm worthy, worthy of more than this and kind of like make a decision, decision and move forward. Um, but it, it can't be in every situation in life where you, you have to go that, you know, the negative direction before you make a change. There has to be other examples where you, you 
you don't have to go through the pain to make a change. I believe that my exa- my example is extreme example. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, my life story is also, uh, I believe, very unique in this sense because, you know, I believe that where I am coming from, that barely someone getting a life uh, back alive. Especially with the heroin addiction, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, of course, there are also not only, you know, like in my, that was one point that I just definitely knew that there is, uh, uh, you know, I just want to live. I just, right. I just. I just want to live. I just want, don't want to die at the age of uh, 20 or 22, you know, uh, point out. Uh, that was a very big, big uh, step forward for me and a very big no-go for me. But at the later stage, when I, I just always wanted to have a family, I just really wanted to create a healthy family, to be a good mother and to uh, have a partner and, you know, to get married and to build up a healthy, strong family. But I was just struggling that because I was just not able to love someone enough because I was not loving myself. So that was kind of, you know, uh, at this at this point, I didn't have to rock the bottom, you know, but I, it was more guided by the, uh, by the positive. Right. Positive motivation, you know, I realized that I'm struggling with something and only it was very difficult, you know, to raise up your self-worth, to raise your self-esteem, to raise your self-value and self-belief because that program that you was, uh, you know, that you got the first age, uh, first stage of your life that was still working on in my subconscious and my conscious. And it was just standing me in the way because, uh, you know, uh, because there was certain belief of something that I deserve, something certain belief of something that I worth, and some certain belief of uh, what I'm up to. So uh, let me ask you another question, <laughs> and and, and th- this is really positive for me too, because as I'm asking these questions, I'm thinking of situations in my life where I need to get get over something and how I did it, uh, and, and kind of comparing notes. So. With all the trauma that you received as a child, and given the fact that, you know, since I think you were saying since 20, you've been working on kind of a dealing with that um, by writing, by NLP, um, cold showers. Out of all that trauma, like say that trauma is like a hard drive of one gig, right? How much of that do you think you whittled away? Because no matter how much work I've done on myself in certain situations, there's always like a little bit left, right? It seems like there's always a little bit left that you that you haven't been able to pull out, right? And and, and sometimes you think you pulled it all out, right? Then all of a sudden you're in a certain situation and it, it comes back with a vengeance. You're going, whoa, where did you come from? I thought you were gone, right? Like how how much of that trauma do you think you've removed from your sub, uh, program, from your subconscious? I believe that it's, uh, you know, uh, continuous work that you do on yourself is like level by level. You step, step out, uh, step up on the, on the, the level. And it's continuous work. You have to be aware, you know, yes. I think that, uh, things are significant from the point that we are not becoming automatical. You know, as long as you strive, as long as you do something, you do, do something at your best ability. You have to be trying to be a best person, you know, uh, every day, every single day. And, and trauma, you know, in terms of uh, it, uh, you cannot erase your memory. 
your memory will always stay with you, you know, uh, your self-love, self-esteem, because at this moment, for example, I'm uh, very happy with myself and I'm happy in the space. Uh, I am comfortable with myself. I have achieved the enormous peace of mind and I'm feeling uh, great in my, in my stage. At this moment, the area, uh, my personal life and uh, um, I'm feeling so stable at this moment that nothing was, comes from external, external uh World. Well, yeah, it cannot disturb my happiness at this moment. That's awesome. It disturb my um, my uh, my peace of mind, you know. Right. I mean, nothing was going on on an external level at this moment, and disturb my peace of mind. So, so like you said, um, and I, I'm sure it's a mixture of both. But uh, but since, since you, your point with the not being able to ever forget. Um, and Anthony's kind of struggle with, with, with carving out everything that is negative. Um, uh, actually, can, can, can I make one point? Um, yeah, well, I definitely strawman your what, what you're saying. But <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, my point is this: uh, maybe my analogy, after thinking about it, is incorrect because you, you don't get rid of your memories, right? Um, but I, I heard someone say that memories with emotion, if they're negative emotions, is it what caused the trauma, right? Memories without the emotion, like say you remove the negative emotion from it, that's wisdom, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I call it wisdom, I call it like acceptance, like, like you, you accept that this happened to your, yourself. Maybe it is oh, wisdom. Oh, it's wisdom because you learn from it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you right. can you can unload this emotional uh, emotional weight that you're carrying on. Right. And exactly, um, Justin, what you said is uh, that you have to accept yourself because by refusing a part of yourself, by refusing to accept the part of your past, you're refusing part of yourself. In fact, you know, yeah, and to uh, you know to live with the part of yourself that you cannot accept. But when you adopt mentality for yourself that everything happens for the best, you know. Everything, whatever happened in your life, is happening for the best. And it's your free will to decide whatever you are going to choose in your life. There are many things available, as well as position of staying whole life in position of victim and carrying that emotional luggage. You know, it's also free will. You can choose because it can be a comfort zone. It can be comfortable, you know. Uh, but uh, as I said, you know, it's... Sometimes very, most miserable situations can be mis can, can be really comfortable for a person, and you know uh, some people even don't believe that they are uh, deserving to be happy or that they deserve to have something else than that. And that's the biggest problem, I believe, that because you know people get used so much to, the to that position of victim that they're carrying all life that they not even able to see themselves in any different kind of position. And uh, in fact, you cannot erase your memory. We're comparing now ourselves and human being to computer. That's very right, you know, but it would be also nice to remove that kind of flesh, you know, and <laughs> delete yeah. the kind of memory, but it's impossible. And uh, it's only, you know, important to take care that you uh, make sure that your operational system is compatible with your hardware and you're not crashing down. You know, it's not even by removing the box and, or something. You know, sometimes the whole operational system is wrong there. And uh, I think that's very important that it's uh, compatible and everything running smooth. Uh, yeah, it, it's like going back to what you were saying when um, you're just, you just feel like you're, you're, you're working solely because you don't, if you stopped working, um, you, those thoughts would start popping up. 
So it's like you're doing anything that you can to not have these these terrible feelings come up. Like maybe that goes to uh, drinking. I know I had a buddy who he used to just drink. And if at any point, like while he was driving, because he had to drive to, to him from work 40 minutes and he couldn't drink, um, he had to blast music like as loud as he could so he wouldn't have those thoughts. And um, And the craziest part about all of that is all that you have to do for the acceptance is to have those thoughts, experience those thoughts, accept them. Exactly. Uh, and, and yeah, when I say accepting them, I, you just you just kind of think of, of them and you go, yep, I did that. And then you just kind of make a joke about it. And then you move on with your life. And you, you it's like, it's like, oh, that's all I had to do <laughs> for yeah. these last 10 years. And that's like, you know, something also, because it's uh, very easy to give an example in a metaf- metamorphic way. So, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, when you go to the to the gym, for example, or something, and you have a towel, uh, which is like, you know, a little bit, has a little bit of humidity, and then you throw it in the wash. And when you don't take it out for a week, it starts to get smell, you know, <laughs> and then you take a little bit for a month or for a year. Imagine, imagine that, you know, I mean, uh, so the same with your thoughts, I believe, you know, sometimes it's very good to take them out. To wash them, clean them, iron them, and put them back in the closet. <laughs> I love that metaphor. <laughs> well, this, I, I think that that's something we, we overlook, definitely. I, I think, Inga, you overlook it, too, is that you speak four languages, right? Six. Six, Six. languages, yeah. It was something, something ridiculous. So, so there's a couple, I have a couple of theories on that. And, and second of all, uh, neuro-linguistic programming is its own language, so that's technically seven now. Um, but uh, on top of that... Um, I firmly believe that that you can bend uh, and create reality. Words, word bend and create reality, um, uh, almost certainly, because I can change things just by saying them. I can I can literally put somebody in a bad mood just by talking to them. That that is a, an extremely powerful thing that we don't think about. But um, one of the ways that I say, well, if you want to be able to create and bend your reality more, is is to broaden your vocabulary. And and everyone always thinks that I what I mean is to broaden the vocabulary of your la- of your native language. Uh, that's not the fastest way to broaden your vocabulary. The fastest way is to learn another language. And in doing so, your metaphors come from multiple different sources. So they, they hit people completely, like Anthony and I were completely blown away by that, by that metaphor, but that, that might be something that, that you would have picked up had you, uh, you wouldn't have picked up had you not learned a specific language where, where that, that sort of metaphor um, is more common. Not like that it's used all the time or anything, but it's more common. It's more possible for you to experience it. Whereas I can never learn anything from somebody who solely speaks Spanish. I will never be like, unless I learn Spanish. So I, I, you really hinder yourself. Whereas, uh, whereas somebody who speaks many, many different languages, um, you start to see the connections in the reality itself almost simply because of all the languages. Am I making sense um, with, with this? Did, did, were you experiencing growth in consciousness when, as you learned more languages, pretty much? Yes, I really understand what you're trying to say. And uh, it's really true because uh, more languages right. you speak, more languages you understand, the more connection between them you can see. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, it's a very interesting topic. Like, uh, you know... Um, Okay, because I speak Russian, I can understand mostly all Slavic languages, you know, uh, when you, uh, because I speak Polish, uh, I can understand and Ukrainian and Serbian, uh, well, I'm in Serbian, it's one thing, uh, like, there are eight languages in formal Yugoslavia, and uh, since I speak Dutch, I can uh, understand Germanic languages, and because I speak Italian, I understand uh, uh, Spanish, French, French, and, uh, yeah, it's very interesting, in fact, and... uh, the connection is um, 
very, very interesting. Today I was like, uh, you know, uh, we often don't ask ourselves questions and, uh, um, or we ask stupid questions, you know, like, why do I deserve this kind of, you know, why do I deserve it? And of course the universe will give you really the question, the answer, you know, because you, uh, why do you think you deserve it? Yeah, because you're stupid and because you did that and that, you know, that's the right question, you know, mm-hmm. just to yourself. But, um, you know, uh, I will not be now giving a lesson on what kind of questions you should ask yourself. But uh, recently I was asking myself a question like, you know, um, because, for example, I uh, started to learn Hebrew at this moment uh, and uh, I get a lot of interest in the Yiddish language and uh, I notice a lot of um, uh, familiarity with uh, German language and uh, I feel like uh, how uh, how uh, how come this uh, uh, so what started earlier you know and then connection uh, because there was Roman Empire and the Roman Empire was hit by barbarians you know and barbarians were kind of Germans who was running in the forest and was like uh, educated people and uh, you know considered and then you start looking further further and further and after destruction of temple when Jews was away from uh, from from the land you know and went through full four corners uh, four sides of the world mm-hmm. and uh, so i started questioning myself how what how what is the relation is it german that was transformed to yiddish or is it yiddish that transformed to german so uh, and uh, when you uh, go for example further in the study of uh, of uh, of the beginning of the world, and you have uh, the man. Man was called Ish, you know. No, I didn't know that. No, yeah, well, all right. The man was called Ish, yeah, Ish, and woman was called Isha, and the relation to German Ich. So, what's very interesting, in fact, yeah. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So. So yeah, that that's the stuff that uh, that that the, the Hebrew is really going to round going to round that out. Um, um, do you speak Greek also? No, I, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm excited because now we get we get to bring religion into this too. Um, and and, and um, being able to uh, as you as you learn Hebrew and being being able to to read Hebrew uh, in the Torah. Um, it, that's really the best way to absorb that information too. Um, and, and the fact that, that you're able to do that uh, or, or will be able to do that um, is fascinating. And the, the other fascinating thing too is the, is the grammar within all of it, because um, uh, there's really, well, well, give me, give, explain to me how your experience is when it, when it comes to grammar, when it comes to grammar throughout uh, these languages. Well, uh, first of all, I'm just a beginner, and it's very interesting uh, for me. Yeah, interesting not, not, not just for no sound letters, you know, no sound letters, and all the letters going uh, like uh, all the unsound letters are one after each other, and then you have like uh, 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 some certain signs down on the, uh, under the word, under the letters, which makes uh, brings you understanding of what kind of sound should be between the letters. So um, it's very profound, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not an expert in that yet. But I had always yeah. to learn Semitic language, and so now I'm getting to it. And it, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't mean it for for just for just Hebrew, but but from the other six languages that you speak, the um, how the grammar uh, transfers over 
the the structure of the, the uh, the grammar because uh, how I came how how I came also to this point because you know from one le- from one uh, for example um, okay uh, when you take for example English word impossible yeah and the grammar like Italian word is impossibile you know it's just like the, the, uh, imp- and then French is impossible so it's like just I mean how grammar is transferring to uh, from one language to another it's very difficult not difficult to define uh, but uh, it certainly helps you to uh, read um, I don't know how to explain but you know it helps you to read between the lines so yeah, yeah. so I, I have a good example of that um, what is uh, in French how would you say caution in French? Yes. I have no clue. <laughs> uh, oh, you don't speak French? No. Um, um, okay. <laughs> well, if, if, if you don't speak... <laughs> the only language Inga doesn't speak. speak. <laughs> I, I wasn't paying attention because you speak so many different languages. I, I, just, I just assumed French. Wow, that is, that is a, a bias within me. Um, well, anyway, so, um, just, just to, to give an example, um, uh, in French, uh, caution, uh, is, is, uh, is, um, advertisement or something like that. It almost, it almost translates exactly to advertisement in, um, uh, if you look at it from a, an English speaking perspective, if you're just looking at the word and I just happened to see that one day. And if that was a language that you spoke, um, what you, the reading between the lines that you're talking about is, well, in French, they literally call advertisements, uh, or or they literally call caution advertisement. And and it it indicates to, um, that, that you should be cautious when you're interacting with an advertisement because, you know, they're, they're trying to sell you something. They're basically trying to trick you into, um, into purchasing a product uh, potentially, um, that you don't need. And um, the, those little reading between the line things are, are, are a, a big deal um, when you really start breaking down uh, uh, language. You know what I found very interesting discovery um, that um, word breath in Russian. Um, in, in Russian, if, if, if it's, you translate it in Russian, it's dushat. Uh, and the um, the um, the how do you say the core the, the core of this word is dusha it means your soul mm. okay so breath is soul and there are other languages as well especially in Hebrew words uh, uh, breath has the same root word as a soul so we often underestimate uh, our breath, you know, we take it for granted as our thoughts, you know, as we were just talking about, you know, how unaware we can be of something what's going on in our inner world in our thoughts and our mind, you know, and everything. At the same point, we don't aware, we are not aware of our breath. However, it's the first thing that we do when we get born, you know, and it's the last thing we do before we die. And uh, this, the, the, one of the things that we take the most for granted. True. Yeah. Um, and, and on top of that, the, the, the connection with the, uh, the, the word breath in, um, uh, in India, the nirvana, that word means to blow out, which is basically their way of saying uh, to breathe. Um, and, and that's a, 
the, the those sort of connections are, are the ones that are like they, they make you go they make you think like like wow there's like these are all connected and they'll speak different languages and stuff it, it just all very interesting um yeah absolutely i uh if i would be able to give myself uh an advice to my younger self that would probably be the one to you know to bring myself more deeper on the level of linguistics uh, and to give uh, give myself a better go and to keep up myself more to my feminine side and uh, you know we are uh, very often try to uh, not very, not we very often, but I notice here in the Western world, you know, what we spoke in the beginning, uh, that um, uh, emancipation here in the West uh, reached such certain kind of level that uh, people cannot find any peace anymore. You know, yeah. like I don't know how uh, how uh, uh, what kind of relationship it has to the childhood or childhood traumas or whatever. In my case, it was also, you know, I was born boyish because, you know, um, because my mother wanted to, to have uh, a son, for example, you know, so I tried it, uh, to be a, a boy a little bit more. But when I was doing here a discovery and research, I was trying to interview, not trying, but interview a couple of women here. And I was asking them, what is the biggest challenge in being a woman? You know, it was so surprising for me when they starting to give an examples that were completely muscular, you know, like in the, yeah, because I cannot leave some as many, as much uh, boxes as he can do, you know, uh, and, uh, or I cannot drink as much beer as he can do, or I cannot make as much more money as he can do. But, uh, not many was uh, talking about motherhood. Not many was talking about, uh, you know, combination of things of nurturing, of raising children and, uh, um this kind of was very 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 surprising to me and uh i noticed that uh in this society uh, males are even ready to take care of a child in order to give female more uh freedom for work for you know to do. so um as i myself from eastern europe i think uh, this was a kind of um very shocking for me, you know, because uh, in country where I'm coming from, from Lithuania, you know, you pretty you stay for the pregnancy leave for a pretty long time, you know. In some countries, you can stay at home with your child until up to three years, and um, like uh, not only supported by government but also by male. And uh, here in Western society, here in the Netherlands where I'm living, child's going to the children's garden from the age of 10, 10 weeks. I mean, 10 weeks, uh, so, and uh, very often ladies are concerned about making money, providing, and uh, uh, I don't know what is playing a role at this point and um, what kind of impact will it have on future generations as well, but uh, I think uh, that's not uh, the way it's supposed to be. So I, I think we made a nice segue in, into like a topic mm -hmm. of feminine femininity. And um, you mentioned that one of the biggest lessons that you had was learning that your power lay in your femininity. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how did you discover that? And what does that mean? And how does that relate to what you're seeing in the Western world right now, where I, I think women personally, 
from what, what I've seen, women in like North America aren't as, um, aren't as connected to the femininity as women in Europe seem to be. And I think what you're saying is uh, you, from the women that you interviewed, um, you, even they don't seem to be connected to their femininity. Um, so the whole issue about like where your power lies, how you found it, what that means, and your uh, view on women in general in the Western world and their connection to femininity, like that, that's a fascinating topic. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know um at some point i don't know if is it uh is it the education or is it uh the economics that don't allow uh, uh that don't allow certain you know uh longer uh, pregnancy leave or you know that, that your costs are so high that you both have to work or or is just an ambition that uh um, that ladies have and want to, you know, uh, be searching fulfillments uh, somewhere, you know, but I believe that it's a kind of very selfish approach uh, to the situation, you know, because everyone looking for uh, their own uh, benefits, you know, uh, baby is born, baby in, within 10, 10 weeks uh, left with people who are completely not uh have nothing to do with that child, you know. I mean, uh, uh, everything arranged by the government. Everyone uh, is working. Everyone paying taxes. One having one ambition, and one having another ambition. Ladies uh, trying to achieve positions, uh, you know, in the men's world, and more integrating, more and more integrating, you know, uh, in um, in the functions uh, which were like even ten years ago or twenty years ago considered like strictly males, uh, male male world even. IT world is now more and more ladies who are, you know, uh, trying to get in there. So, but, um, and very often I notice it is a certain kind of competition, you know, it's not even uh, trying to even live up with your ambition or trying to find a fulfillment, but uh, trying to put yourself on the same level that men are, right. which is, you know, which is completely unnecessary, I believe, because we cannot be on the same level. I don't think you want to be on the same level, right? No, I don't, I don't. no, no. We, we cannot be on the same level because ladies are better. So, that is so true. <laughs> I believe for ladies, even step back, you know, it's not a step forward, it's a step back because we have much more, you know, we have other abilities. We have, we are created differently. Our body is created differently and we have uh, ability to create. And uh, we had always the ability to, you know, to give birth to a child, to raise a child. It was our creation. And therefore a man was always, you know, better uh, as the scientist, as a, uh, innovators, uh, you know, uh, they had another ability to create. They also wanted to fulfill themselves because they did, never had that ability, natural ability to, to create a human life, you know, to uh, to bring uh, life uh, forward, uh, and, you know, with, uh, participate. They were always providers in a certain, certain point, you know, and uh, it was always, you know, it's known that a very uh, uh, big uh, 
the big uh, one of the top points which played big role in uh, divorce is when men don't feel you know part of uh, of the family because lady gives too much attention to uh, to a child or something you know it can be a very damaging to the family uh, so uh, what it wants to say that we as the ladies have much more abilities, you know, and we often don't use them. I noticed this in the Western society that often ladies don't use their uh, female abilities in uh, in the daily life. You know, they try to um, kind of uh, block their uh, natural ability, which is a completely miracle. You know, we have so much power, so much. Uh, uh, it's like you know, men can be a very nice. Uh, um, how to say, uh, a car, for example, right? But the motor inside is never visible, but the motor is what uh, what car is driving about, you know? Yeah. So there is no, uh, uh, the, the real masculinity comes from the right femininity, you know? And because there is no right femininity in, the, in this world, I believe that it also brings a certain impact on masculinity in the world. Because when females are so overpowered and they come on the same stage that men, you know, uh, they want to earn as much, they want to do as much, then men feeling like they have nothing to add. While if everyone would take care of the position which is like you know ladies position in the uh, in the certain field uh, will fulfill fulfill their position in the certain field and men will fulfill their position in the certain field there will would be much more harmony you know but um i don't know if i'm clear clear enough to explain what i'm saying no, you're, you're clear um i always try to explain this i you know again because words um I find interesting, but I, I never been able to explain this in, in such a way um, where everyone goes, like everyone's mind is blown because my mind was blown when I realized this, but like you look at the word woman, um, it's literally just the word man with woe in front of it, which makes sense for a number of reasons. One, because it also makes womb, but, um, but it's also because you're just like a man, except like you're woe, like, you know, like, whoa, like you're, you're a man, but you're way better. Um, and, and the, um, the only comparison um, where it's like, where it's blatant, where uh, it's like, are you sure women are better than men? It's like, it's like, can a man make a child um, with your body? And it's like, no. And it's like, okay, then that's why women are woke, man. You know? Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's just like, it, it's just one of the ways, ways that, that um, one of the most physical ways that, that you can separate the, the, the two out. And be like, and be like, let's have a grown-up conversation about about uh, what this equality is and everything. I believe that uh, the best uh, the best mind-blowing idea is that the best combination is of both. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, and, that, and that's, that's the way what creates it's, yeah. the biggest power, I believe. And. Um, uh, I notice a lot of, um, as well, uh, now not only in Western society, but in general, you know, when you miss this part of yourself, you're trying to fulfill it by searching, you know, uh, by just jumping into another relationship because, you know, everyone wants to have, no one wants to be alone. Right. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be alone. So, you know, depending on the, uh, how, um, uh, you know, sometimes based on how, on damage in our uh, identity or in damage in our, you know, in our eye, we are just uh, w- willing 
to find someone and we're willing it so desperately that we're jumping to the wrong conclusions and it brings us back to you know to the wrong uh, to, to the when start is wrong let's say um and finish is also wrong and um So what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> uh, right, we'll edit this part. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can take care. Um, well, so, um, um, what I'm trying to say is, you know, that we're always looking, we all believe in that, uh, you know, godly relationship. We're also lo always looking for our soulmate yes. and that missing part of ourselves, and that we believe that we are incomplete until we find that part, you know, that missing part of us. And uh, the best part is the combination, you know, because the idea is to be one part, you know, we all believe in finding our soulmate and to be that one whole thing and, uh, you know, complete and perfect you know so the best the best is you know when we uh, f uh fulfill those parts you know um like um um within ourselves you're saying uh, also within ourselves but the missing part you know you cannot uh, make uh how to say um you know you cannot make one circle from two circles you know, like, uh, you know, there is a certain part, uh, you know, which female has to fill as a female right. and male part, which male have to feel, fulfill as a, as a, as a male. And the combination of those two creates like that whole thing. Uh, and, um, I don't know, I don't know if it's clear enough, but, um, that's like, um, the idea of oneness. Are you talking in relation to a relationship now as opposed to an individual? Relationship, yeah, relationship. relationship. Because so, femininity, you know, um, here is the femininity. Of course, fem femininity is very important. And we, as a lady, have a huge potential in us and somewhere uh, more potential than men, you know, but we are not able to have this potential without a man. Right. Yeah. You know, so, what is no femininity about if there is no man? That's right. <laughs> so we are needed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in order to be uh, feminine, in order to, you know, to, uh, uh, to use your abilities, which are given to you as a feminine, uh, as, as a female, you know, you must have male, you know, there is, <laughs> how can you fulfill your female ability if there is no male? Exactly. And you're I, not I, able to make a child. You're not able to uh, nurture. You're not able to create a home to home for what? You know, home for family, not for yourself. Right. <laughs> for your children but you're not able to have children without the male so it has to be in balance i believe it has to be in balance and i think maybe that's where some of the confusion comes in now everyone's talking about equality between males and females and no one argues that that you know it should be equals people should have the same opportunities but but there are differences right and i think people are getting mixed up from the perspective okay we're all equal and then all of a sudden they start ignoring the differences. And I think that's where the, where the challenge comes in. Um, so let me ask you a question. Describe a, like what you think would be a, a, a healthy relationship between a man and a woman. Like what roles would they play? So, does that make sense? Is that a fair question? Um, 
Yeah, well, interesting question, huh? Very interesting question. Uh, first of all, you know, like modern lady, it's not only the modern lady has been always and uh, this way, and um, not only ability to multitask, uh, but um, you know, it's it's supposed to be a partnership. But one thing is for sure, you know, like. Uh, you know, to getting along or to not getting alone, uh, along is, uh, I think, the wrong uh, perception. And I uh, had a very good teacher uh, on this matter uh, because women and male doesn't supposed to get along, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> because... <laughs> They're not supposed because to get along. from Mars and oh. ladies are from Venus, you know. Oh, so. shit. What's it used to? <laughs> I think the biggest problem is uh, not, it's not only I think that, but you know, but I've learned one thing that the biggest problem is in any relationship that men and women try to get along, you know, but we don't have to get along. <laughs> That's where problems start when we try to get along because we see that we're not getting along, you know. Men don't understand women, women we don't understand men. We try to get <laughs> We don't have to get along, you know. Man is a man and men are supposed to get along with men and women supposed to get along with women. So only we have to be, you know, uh, 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 to find uh, the right balance between between each other, you know, uh, like men supposed to be caring and women supposed to be nurturing. Okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, like everything you said makes sense to me, but I'm trying to understand how that would work within the confines of my relationship, right? You're not, you're not supposed to get along. I, I'm going to try that with my wife when we get off the podcast. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, of course you have to get along. I mean, yeah. you, uh, but on the, on a certain level, you know, because uh, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, there is one very good joke, uh, uh, like uh, after, uh, no, in afterlife, you know, in afterlife, uh, there are two cues for those men uh, who uh, were like, uh, um, not, not listening to the women, you know, that were bossy and were doing their men's stuff, you know, and other cue was uh, for those who was, you know, who, whose wife was boss of him, you know, who, 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 the, his wife was like a leader in the family. Right. And then the cue, uh, the cue where, um, where man was the boss in the family, you know, was like short, there was a couple of men standing there. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, and so uh, the journalist came to, to that cue where it was like a couple of people standing, a couple of men standing, said like, hey man, what are you doing here? You know, it's like, uh, can you tell me, you know, how was, how your life looked like, you know, when you was alive? And so like, Said, why? I said, no, you're standing here in the queue where, you know, uh, standing all males who was boss in the family. So I work. Like, how can I know my wife told me to stay here? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, no, it's a very interesting topic, of course, uh, how a perfect relationship would look like. But I think, um, um, you know, at this at this point, uh, I didn't manage to build up strong family or something. But I'm very interested, and I'm studying on this topic. I hope I will be able to bring uh, one day all the things I've learned into the practice. But very often, uh, we are concerned about the things that others are supposed to be doing instead of things that we're supposed to be doing. You know, 
like uh, we often, uh, you know, concentrate ourselves on uh, on the fact uh, that someone else doesn't do what he is supposed to be doing, uh, instead of concentrating on the things that he's supposed to be doing. And uh, I think um, that's like a turning point, uh, like. So, going back to like your power, your power is in your femininity. I'm so I'm trying to understand like how how, how does that play out like in your day to day life like how does that play out when you go to work for example because you like work well actually are you are you you're not in IT anymore right you're doing the writing you're a writer and a painter well actually I'm uh, I will I've been writing I don't know what I will uh, get out of this writing uh, now considering that podcasts are much easier way to bring out your thoughts to the world. Uh, maybe it would be easier to read what I wrote uh, past months, but I was always dreaming to write a book and uh, maybe, uh, no, no. Who knows, uh, maybe one day I will publish my book, um, but uh, I can't say about nothing yet for sure. Uh, just based on my memories, based on my methods, based on my outcome and everything. Only I was always saying to myself that I believe that writing book is better from the end. You know, you have an outcome right. and then you write down how you came to this outcome. Only I'm not sure that I'm already in the outcome, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still on the way. <laughs> So that's some more life, some more life to do to determine what the outcome is. But but right now you're not working in IT anymore, right? No, I'm not working in IT right now. Okay. But uh, it's I, working in IT is like kind of big word. I'm not had I didn't have any company like Microsoft or any any you know uh, kind of application uh, writing. I was just a reseller, so I was not uh, never selling my own product. I was just reselling product of someone else. Okay, but when you were in that corporate environment, did, did you still find like your power and your femininity in that environment? Because usually it's it's hard to be feminine in that environment. Yes, yes, that's very hard to be feminine in that environment because it's a very hardcore world, and yeah. um, it had. Uh, some kind of benefit, you know, because being a female in the male world, it's of course uh, always easier. You know? It was easier. I was on commercial part of it, and um, at some point, uh, you realize that you, you know, you become harder. You become harder and harder and harder. And if you want to stay in one line with with a man, you know you're going to be treated like a man sometimes, you know? And it's not always nice for a lady. Uh, corporate world is very tough yeah. for a lady. So you, at some point, you, you become tough yourself, you know? And then, uh, and then your inner world, your inner purpose, because your purpose, initial purpose of every female is to be a mother, you know? Otherwise, we wouldn't have them, you know? Yeah. Right? And we wouldn't be created to, uh, to for this, you know, miracle of making, creating children, you know. So this is our initial purpose. And at some point, I don't believe that um, as a female, you can get complete fulfillment or feel really, really fulfilled based on your successes in the corporate world, you know. Yes, I've always, uh, I've always believed that also, but I, you're the first woman I actually heard verbalize that. I, I, 
I mean, every person can have feminine and masculine, right? Some women can have more masculine energy, right? I mean, there's all kinds of variations. So I assume women with more masculine energy maybe can can survive or can 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 do well in that environment. But I would think for a woman who's more feminine, it, it would it would choke your very essence. Like I can feel it choke in my essence, right? Because it's yeah. it's very rigid. Um, so that's why when I saw that you have gotten out of it and you were doing writing and the painting, it seemed much more in line with uh, the England that I know. I mean, I don't know you that well. A couple of videos mentioned London, but that seems to be more your authentic self. I believe so because I'm I'm feeling really peaceful, happy, and fulfilled by doing this. You know, uh, this stress, deadlines, and the responsibility. Uh, um, they drag you, drag you away, you know. Yeah. It's very, of course it's possible. Of course it's possible. I mean, you can become like a robot or Terminator, an early Terminator, you know, and have like a drive a million dollar business and then have a beautiful home and uh, uh, prepare a nice dinner and be a wonderful mother and wonderful wife and, you know, and bring your share uh, just uh, in every part of your life, you know, and everybody happy. You know, I believe you cannot be everywhere at the same place. You know, but when you are in the corporate world, it takes so much of your energy that oh, yeah. I believe that not uh, nearly impossible to be anywhere else. You know, when I used to have my company, it was just like taking all of my head. And, uh, you know, uh, um, yeah. So, of course, maybe someone may have uh, fulfillment. And I believe there are also... Uh, <clears throat> businesses that uh, brings you a lot of fulfillment but uh but then we're talking more about your passion living your passion you know and uh like there is very nice cliche saying like you find, find find what you love and uh and uh, you will never have to work anymore but right. i'm talking uh, you know uh, i don't know i don't know maybe there are of course ladies who is like passion to be a chief executive officer and she's just like home and commanding there and like everything is arranged and fixed probably it's her passion and probably some someone is driven by status someone is driven by ego someone you know i'm sure there are different kind of people in this world uh, oh, yeah. i'm sure kind of people find different kind of fulfillment and uh, i'm sure there are very great leaders and there are even like you know country leaders uh, who find the fulfillment in running like you know future um economical uh, great economical powers in the world you know and uh, but um, I don't know if they are great mothers as well. True. So, Inga, um, I can't believe I'm just looking at the clock now. We're over an hour and a half into the podcast. And usually the, the sign of a really great podcast is like when time, when you don't notice time going by, um, which is definitely the case here. I was thinking um, maybe like a really good way to end this is if we could offer something to like another child who was in the same situation as you were and growing up, um, maybe their 14, 15 year old self, like just give them some, some words of advice to, you know, and motivation to, that can help them pull themselves out of, you know, that, that pain and move forward and, and live, live a healthy, productive life as, as you have. 
maybe we can just like summarize like those, those steps again. I think that would be the most difficult advice that I would have to be give to someone, you know, because yeah. uh, I thought so about this and uh, um, it's very hard to say to someone. I, I don't, I would probably even know what to say to myself back then because how can you escape at that age? How can you escape that situation when you're surrounded by parents and you're surrounded by the, you know, by home and, you know, yeah, you don't know where, where to run away. I cannot say someone run away and, you know, it's, it's very, 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 very difficult. And unfortunately we have to deal with this and this is, uh, um, too difficult topic to give any advice about, but I believe that it's, uh, the, um, those, those people who have been in this kind of situations and they are aware enough of what they went through and they are brave enough to talk about this, to uh, expose themselves uh, as vulnerable, you know, make themselves vulnerable and start doing something on it. Because very often it's also uh, uh, accompanied with feeling of shame and guilt and many kinds right. of things. People don't don't want to talk about this kind of things. And uh, so I would rather advise to uh, those people who went through it to talk about it, to start doing something on it, to try to heal themselves and to work out their problem in order so we create a further better generation to make people aware of it, you know, so that uh, even sometimes parents uh, who are, sometimes parents who damage those children, they are not aware of what they are doing. I cannot give advice to children of that age to do something for those children because I believe the children of that age will hardly be listening to our podcast either. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, to those who went through this kind of situation, and uh, in general, I believe that we have to raise awareness and talk more about the child abuse uh, in, uh, in, uh, in this society. In many societies, it's taboo to talk about this. Yes, it's definitely a critical topic that uh, needs. It's kind of like that towel analogy, right? The wet towel in the um, in the washing machine, if you leave it there too long, it's it's not pleasant, right? So the the more the sooner you take it up, the sooner you air it, the sooner everyone understands what the challenges are, what the issues are. Um, the sooner we as a society can heal, right? Because it is really a, it, it affects the entire society. It's not just like one family; it'll ripple through everything. So we we as a society have to face it and uh, and talk about it. Yeah. Especially, you know, we are very often concerned about the uh, future, about uh, politics. Many spend hours and days in front of television and talk about, you know, possible outcomes of the future and how to create a better future. But better future starts at home with our children, with our children, with the children of our neighbors, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with our children. And that's an excellent point. And what we do now, we borrow that from our children. All the depths what we create right now, our children will pay. All the unawareness, all the you know misbehavior what we do right now, they will pay it off. So you know, but a lot of people are concerned about politics. You know, spending days uh, discussions in front of the televisions and in the bars talking about how what step and you know uh, how will it will end up. I think it will end up very good if we will be a little bit more aware and concerned about our children. And I think that's the main point that we covered today. We got to take care of our children. Right. 
Okay, Inga, it was lovely having you on. It's lovely reconnecting. Um, I'm so happy to, to see that you're doing so well. You know, the, the painting, the artist, and, and the work you're doing on yourself. Um, I, w- I would love for you to come back at some point when maybe we can talk more in depth about NLP or something, because that, that I'm certain is a topic that a lot of people would love to hear about. I would gladly share a little bit more, uh, and I would gladly come back if you invite me. We will, uh, let's see, you know, maybe in a couple of months, we can uh, track uh, our progress and see, uh, you know, Definitely. How, how we could develop this topic and uh, maybe maybe uh, some common effort to raise this awareness. Yes. I think that'd be awesome. Awesome. Thank you for pointing me. All right. Take care. Nice seeing you again. Nice to see you guys. Bye. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Bye.